Welcome everyone to the second episode of the When the Music Stops podcast, a podcast entirely dedicated to discussing the bullshit, insanity, and overall hype in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. In particular, I would like this podcast to reveal a lot of the fraud, crime, and illegal behavior uh, so that when the music does stop and we all know it will inevitably stop, we will have something to look on and to look at in terms of uh, documented conversations about what's happening here. I'm very happy to say that I have a good friend from Vancouver who has been an artist for his entire life and has decided on bad information to pursue the NFT space as a way to get a bit of income on the side. Unlike the first episode where I interviewed a young Canadian who anonymously agreed to talk about the fact that he had made almost a million dollars flipping shitcoins on Binance. In this episode, I have a friend who by no means in any way is a scammer, uh, an incredibly genuine, kind, and fantastic artist who comes forward and talks about first the challenges of what it's like to be an artist and to make money as an artist. And for the first 50 minutes, that's roughly what's being discussed. And later, he and I engage in a very tense and confrontational discussion about really where NFTs have failed to produce almost anything of value. So if you want to get to the heart of the NFT debate, please feel free to skip 15 minutes in. But otherwise, I do recommend listening to Anton's story because it outlines a serious issue that NFTs, of course, have not solved, but a serious issue nonetheless. I also want to talk about future episodes. I'm very lucky to say that I've already had an interview with Bennett Tomlin, who has done a fantastic podcast with uh, Cass Pianci, the anonymous uh, friend of his. They have been some of the biggest advocates against Tether in this space, and he is so knowledgeable. It is an absolute pleasure to talk about arguably one of the largest scams in the entire industry. So that interview is done and will hopefully release in the next uh, few days. Also, David Gerard author of Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain, is also going to be uh, talking to me in the next couple of weeks, and I'm excited because he is also just like Bennett Tomlin, an avid spokesperson against a lot of the hype and bullshit, so that's going to be a very fun episode. As well, an anonymous R. Butcoin contributor, and let's just say a local, has uh, spoken to me about MicroStrategy, and it seems that he too wants to come forward and talk about something there that I think could be very interesting. With all of this, I want to say, oh, a lot, and I would like to thank the R Butcoin community for being outspoken and honest about the, the stuff that's, that's happening in the space and for being supportive of this kind of work. I have no intention now or ever to accept any sort of uh, monetary compensation in any form. So even as you're listening to this podcast, if I say something about Anton Lukashov's work, I do own some of his physical paintings. I by no means am encouraging anyone else to engage in any sort of financial behavior. I will say that I do not now, nor will I ever uh, buy his NFTs or anyone's NFTs. I'll let, let you, the audience, make the decision for yourself. But going back to it, uh, I want to thank our, our Butcoin and I want to insist that if you're on our Butcoin, if you've been scammed, or if you have engaged in a scam, or if you have some interesting information, please come forward so that we can document it, we can talk about it, and then we can publish it so that others can listen to it. Because, let's be real, one day 
when all of this is uh, is said and done, and when, of course, the music does stop, we're going to want to know exactly what happened here. And historians are going to want to know exactly how a lot of people got away with so much bullshit. So I hope that this podcast can be a tiny piece of evidence in the overwhelming pile. So with that, please enjoy the second episode of When the Music Stops, and uh, stay tuned. I'm very lucky because today I'm joined with Anton Lukashov in studio, so we're actually in the same room today. I guess I'll let you introduce yourself in terms of your, your background and your uh, education. So my name is Anton. I'm an uh, architectural professional, but uh, trying to be a full-time artist. So I'm a classically trained artist in Russia. I also finished architectural school in Russia, and I've been working for the last 10 years as an architectural professional, but a part-time artist. The first thing I want to ask before we talk about NFTs, what is it like to be an artist? Well, I have like a very peculiar path in my life because uh, at some point um, after finishing college in Russia, I moved to Canada. And obviously the most straightforward, the most like um, guarantee way to go is to go into architecture because I already have a bachelor in architecture. So it's like there's a clear path how to, like example, for, to find a work, how to get, uh, get the... Um, how to immigrate right through uh, via work, visa, all that stuff. So it kind of like gives you this clarity. Art don't give you that. So I'm, I moved to Canada as an architectural professional. It was very straightforward. And of, of course, it's, it's very difficult to move here. Um, so this was a clear path. I couldn't do it through arts. So once I got that done, at some point I realized like real passion is in arts for me. So I tried to start trying to phase it into arts. What I mean, it's because of its financial question. Can I do it financially, right, to be able to support myself? So architecture pays my bills, but my passion is in arts. So I'm trying to do part-time arts so I can eventually phase it out into, into arts. The decision to go into the architectural profession was in part due to immigration and also, of course, financially, it's a very stable job. Like you work full-time, there's an office downtown. Yeah, in the beginning, it was kind of like, I just want to immigrate somehow, no matter what, whatever it takes, right? So it's like, you don't even think that far. You don't even dream. <laughs> you just do what makes sense and what what guarantees that you can do something, right? Like you can immigrate, actually. So I've done that first. And then like once I had like some stability in my life, as any immigrant knows, like stability is very important when you uh, immigrate. So I had stable paycheck. I started finally kind of like opening up what my other opportunities I have in life, what I actually want. Like, you know, it's kind of went through this process and reevaluating what's happening. Then I realized like true passion and true calling is in arts. So I tried to do small steps towards that. So the last for the last six years, I've been actively like doing artwork, like trying to do it professionally, full time. Full time, I mean, like after my full time job, I have another full time job, which is arts. My goal eventually is to be able to do this full time. And that means financially being able to do, to do this full time. You don't have to, I don't have to sell my work, work for, many, for a lot of money, but there will be people who buy it because they like it. They will, I hopefully there will be people who buy it because they invest in you and they want to flip your art. And I'm fine with that. So you have to somehow find a business model where you can make a, uh, art that can be priced cheap sustainable for you so as a business model works let's say it takes so many paints and so many uh, brushes uh, into it so much canvas 
like initial cost and then I can sell it for like let's say 600 bucks so for 600 bucks there's a lot of people who want to buy my art but for a thousand already much less 10,000 even less I mean that makes a successful artist if you can do that that that's a business model that works but then you can answer and then you can focus okay now what my ideas are what am I about do you have to think about so many things so many aspects it's not just like here paint you know <laughs> your field much like the field of, of everyone else is constrained by what people actually want and what will sell there must be demand like i mean obviously some like at, in the beginning you just invest in right like you're not selling it at um you're not making it profitable yet but at least you're able to do it that's why i have full-time job i'm not able to do it yet it's very inconsistent sometimes i make a sale sometimes i'm not it's very inconsistent by the way, I'm an independent artist. I'm not connected to a big art world in any way. I don't have like a like a community, especially in Vancouver. It's very hard to find a community, especially in the artwork that I make, which deals with digital art, right? Digital aesthetics, speculative realism, and um, object-oriented ontology, which is like part of a post-internet art. Now, now let's segue a bit here into digital art and how you started with nfts so until recently for the last six years i've been painting i was trying to really heavily appease like uh, established art world because so much work i do digitally like as an architect i draft i know digital graphics i know how to use 3d software i have this skill given i also been fortunate enough to be very wise uh, in uh, conventional painting so i'm like i'm going to paint digital works with conventional tools this way, I, that I can stay original, at the same time appease or like at least attract conventional established art world. Like I'm like, hey, look, I paint my works. I'm not just printing them, because there's so much discussion going on. At least it used to be uh, that digital art is kind of like not art. You know, it was very kind of looked down upon because like, how do I prove authenticity? How do I make it like, well, I can print twenty of those if I want to. And that's what I heard so many times from people who want to collect my work. Um, they're like, oh, uh, so it's digital. So it means like, if I, like, I'm not going to pay $1,000 for a JPEG file. But that JPEG file was a lot of work to make too. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to paint that. So I started painting them. And because I'm so fortunate to be able to paint, because I have the skill given to me from like childhood, I said to paint them. So like I collapsed two, like I joined both worlds, digital and conventional world. And it was an interesting idea that I make something digital, bring it into life with conventional tools. This is the basic uh, like idea that gave me an edge and makes my work original in a way. Because not, there's not so many people who were doing this before. At least using digital tools to, to, uh, to assist in a conventional uh, painting. So I was doing this for six years. And I had some success locally. I mean, my work sold. Some sold like for quite good money, but it's very inconsistent. It's never consistent. I cannot like quit my job and start doing full time because some 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 random guy suddenly, oh, I found you on Instagram. I love your work. I'm like, wow, cool. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, or like, for example, uh, when I did my own independent art shows because local galleries don't give a shit about uh, guys like me for some reason. They, they only want to somehow like attract people who know each other. I don't know how it works. I have no idea how... I established our world works because I couldn't break into it. I was trying to submit so many portfolios, tried to even invite them to come to my independent show that I threw myself, spent my own money to show them, here, look, it can look like this if you let it. 
and I couldn't even get them into coming. Some people came, a lot of people came, some random came, people came who actually were in the digital world, like VFX artists. They were interested in that surprisingly because like, oh, I, I understand that. But not people who conventional. Many of them actually got actually not offended. Like I, I, I've seen them kind of like commenting not very good things, which kind of make me like, it makes me pleased because it means like there's a reaction. Best, rea best reaction is a reaction than no reaction, right? Anyway, um, um, and I, I heard a lot of comments about like, uh, oh, is it painted? I mean, the best compliment is like, oh, is it painted? They don't believe it. I mean, yeah. And then at the same time, I'm like, why do I lie to myself when I paint them? Like, all I'm trying to do is paint digi my digital work as best as I can accurately to digital image. So I'm kind of, I'm painting it, but I don't need to paint them in a way. Like, if you'd be honest about artwork, when people paint, they bring something that painting, like paint itself brings um, brings it out. You know, some sort of qualities like randomness, this kind of feel like painterly style, right? Bene there's benefits of this random effect. But what, all I was trying to do is like basically print my digital file into canvas with my own hand. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is stupid. It was annoying. It wasn't pleasant experience. I had to spend so many hours just try to like, paint all these intricate things. People like it, but I don't care. Because like, why don't I just print it for you and make sure I don't ever print one more again? I wasn't even thinking maybe I should write the contracts <laughs> like where I guarantee I will never print this work again. Um, and I was thinking, how can I prove it? Right? And, and only recently uh, we discovered that this NFT that kind of allows that to have happened. The way I would describe uh, the prints that I have of yours is they are extraordinarily fine. The precision is clear. They're larger even than a lot of posters you would buy mm -hmm. and they're well framed at the same time you only made 10 of each of your david series mm -hmm. you only made 10 you signed each one so i happen to have one of each of your prints and it wasn't very expensive because you could print 10 you didn't have to charge three thousand dollars a mm -hmm. print you could charge three hundred dollars well 300 bucks is it's pretty cheap. I wouldn't say it's very profitable either, right? Like, um, uh, it's not the most sustainable way, but at least it it as a business model it works. Um, because I I may I spend like let's say like a week working on it, and then I just throw away into the like I just give it to as a file, and then it being printed, it's done all for me. The uh, uh, initial studio able to do this, and it uh, works for them. So um, we still wanted to make it at least cheap enough because, again, we want to uh, bring my art out to as many people as possible. All right, so as, as, I, I would just say it's a very good price for a piece of artwork, especially limited edition, right? Uh, like, for example, some famous artists, when they do uh, even a print, it's like $1,000 starting point. But usually people who buy them, they buy them instantly and then they flip them right away for much more money. You, you think that there's still a problem with prints not being provably limited is is that an issue you see in the art world well i mean like it all comes down to the trust like i i, I mean i don't want to ruin my reputation like i'm not gonna like print 10 and then i'm gonna print another 100 in uh next year but even then like people uh, many famous artists they do that but they do like in 10 years but people don't care uh, i mean it doesn't matter anymore because what matters like people care for example what year edition it is right it's like pokemon's like right like 
you could they can have they have uh, like they what they did they they did like certain edition first year and the next year they switched to a different edition and they printed much more of those but that specific year there was only like five or like 10 or whatever and those are very valuable and next year it's not valuable anymore even though it's the same card it's the same pokemon card but people don't care it's just because that specific year was only a certain amount printed and because of that alone it gives a huge value to them so you could do the same thing with printing art artworks and prints right like i could make 10 edition in 2021 but let's say i'm become big and famous in the 20 years i'm like people like we love this print so much and i decide to make like make another 10 right and then they will sell for certain price but those first 10 original in 2021 they're going to be much more valuable than the ones that uh printed most recently you could you could do that let's say right uh but obviously you don't want to like I, I print now 10 of my, oh, they were so successful. Let's print 100 more of those, right? It's kind of not fair. I mean, it could be okay, but it's almost like, okay, um, like, should, <laughs> like, um, it makes it less valuable for potential collectors. Well, of course, there's an yeah. aspect of trust here where when you sign, you know, six out of 10, which is the yeah. particular print that I have, and it's signed with your name on the back, you know, I think to myself, there really are only 10 of these. Even though you have that JPEG, my guess is that you've either deleted that JPEG or it's not really going to see the light of day. Well, it doesn't matter even because I signed those 10. You can print hundreds of those if you want to, but I'm not going to sign them. So that's kind of how you preserve the value. Like, this is where real true value lies is in a signature in a way. I mean, if you're talking about conventional art, like being authentic, right? My signature, in this case of print, Right, because it's a print. If I if I painted it, right, there's only one painting I can paint, right? It's like, but naturally, it's non fungible. There's only I can paint even ten of those, the same identical, but they're all going to be different still, right? So it's going to be still they're all going to be still original, even though I painted the same thing, but they're still original of that, right? Because there's still differences in all of those ten, even though I'm painting maybe the same image, but every time I'm going to paint it slightly differently. Your story is that for six years, you were trying to take your digital craft, mm -hmm. uh, matching it with your classical education to make paintings that should just be digital, that right. should remain digital. Yeah, so I've been trying to appease like conventional art world because I thought that's what they want. Because I don't know. I don't know what make what will make me successful in their eyes. Because like, oh, it's a digital artist. He can, so what? You made a uh, hundred... You can, we can, you can, you have your JPEGs. They have no idea. Maybe it takes quite a lot of work to make digital artwork uh, beautiful. It's not just a press of a button. It's not just a Photoshop file. So six years in a very minor successfully, kind of like like a, in a very sporadic success. And I was like, why do I paint this? And I said, I don't need to do to to make paintings anymore. You know, and uh, with my next artworks, I was like, okay, I'm going full digital. I'm going to just make TV screens that has a digital artwork. I don't care. And that's when NFTs came along. And I, when I went to like Ethereum website and I started reading about NFTs, I'm like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is exactly what needs to happen. This is the, the, like, it just suddenly frees you. And what it frees you the most is from the conventional art world. Suddenly they lose power. It doesn't matter anymore. They don't matter because I don't have to prove that this work is good. I could trade my artwork as a, a non-fungible talking to someone across the world. They don't even have to like see me in person. They don't have to, no gallery has to tell them this is artist is amazing. And a lot of people 
they purchased the like uh, Ethereum a long time ago and it cost them nothing, right? Like they now suddenly spend their Ethereum for uh, NFTs, right? Trying to convert that value into something else. I want to just take a moment, firstly, to hone in on that first moment with NFTs. Mm-hmm. So for for the audience, NFTs. Well, Anton, why don't you tell us like what is an NFT in its basic essence? Oh my God, man! I have no idea. The way I saw it when I read about it, this is I'm gonna say it in my own words as an artist. What it meant for me, it means I finally can prove authenticity of a digital artwork, specific like JPEG file or uh, MP4 file, like a video player file, and say to potential collectors, "Listen, this is coming from me. This is my file, and it's only uh, only ten or only five coming from me." This is original. Any other JPEG file that is not not NFT burned from my address, like my crypto address, then it's not authentic. So that suddenly preserves the value. The NFT technology allows for artists to guarantee the uh, authenticity to a potential collector that this is in fact, this JPEG came from this specific artist being sold for this much money, blah, blah, blah. And in a, it's being burned in, into this uh, uh, non-fungible token. And no one can uh, hack it. No one can break it. I'm assuming no one can. Um, it's encrypted. So this way, suddenly, digital art become legitimate. Suddenly, a collector... Imagine, like, I have to spend $1,000 for a piece of art that is digital. It exists only digitally. There's no uh, original wor- work attached to it, like, no, not an analog version of it. You can make a print out of it if you want to. You can people, Many people do that, but it doesn't matter. The main point is that suddenly a value is being digitally encrypted into this token. So you're not buying really a JPEG. When people buy it, they're not really buying even a, a JPEG. They're buying this blockchain piece that guarantees that this is coming from this guy who made this JPEG file. Because you could easily download that JPEG file from Instagram or whatever this one of those websites that uh, that uh, that allow you to mint those works. You can actually download them those works, but that doesn't matter. You can download this JPEG file, but it's not burnt into NFT. For the audience, the simplest way to look at an NFT, if we compare it to Bitcoin, Bitcoin has 21 million tokens, mm-hmm. but there's no reason why someone couldn't start the Bitcoin blockchain and just have one token. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what an NFT is, a non-fungible token, it's a token created with a total number of being one. And often there are additional properties. For example, the property that's indivisible. Just like a painting cannot be cut in half, an NFT might not necessarily have the ability to be partially sold. So an NFT is a discrete unit, meaning there's one of them, can't be split, can't be replaced, can't be copied. When people say, that they, they tokenize something or they make something into an NFT, what they really typically mean is they take some digital item, take a cryptographic hash of that item, and then store that hash as part of the NFT. And so if you took that exact digital item and hashed it yourself, you could see this NFT does in fact match the, the digital artwork. That's the basics of an NFT. You make these discrete tokens one-to-one trying to match with some digital or physical uh, thing, as long as there's some way to connect those two. So let me ask you, what's the first thing that's coming to mind when you hear about NFTs? All those arguments towards digital artwork that it's like could be printed and could be 
like easily um, how, how do you preserve the value right because oh it's a just JPEG file I can make hundreds of those copies or someone even if you buy my work let's say before NFT you, you could have bought my JPEG file and like here you get the JPEG but imagine like you could you could lose it or someone can break into your computer and make a copy of the JPEG file or let's say um, it's it's very hard to preserve scarcity of that file because that's what you limited to before NFT even happened. Imagine if you're a digital artist, right? Like for example, let's say you send a gallery your your work. Here I'm gonna <laughs> send you an email with my artwork, and it's like a three hundred, like a ten megabyte file, and all artwork is in that file. It's like it's 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 a little bit hard to prove the value. Digital art isn't new. I mean, movies are digital art. Music is digital art. And oh yeah, all of but those were meant to be distributed. That, that, that's actually a good point. When before NFT, I was like thinking, how can we possibly make visual art to be consumable, just like we consume music, right? When we want to consume art, we have to go to this physical gallery, look at it, get amazed, and go back home. And even if you have it on your phone, you look at it like, okay, so big deal, like. But when the music, right, it's it's continuous. It you watch it. I mean, on a movie, right? You enjoy it. movies are different. Like it's a different business model. Like when I make a work of art, I make an image. It's let's say it's a still image. So what do I just stare at it? Like like it's hard to consume. But advertisements are still images where pe- professionals such as yourself. Yeah, are but hired. but the, you sell a product. There's something comes with that. It's like a imagine like you j- sell your JPEG file, but there's like a piece of uh, let's say sne- like a, a chocolate bar comes with it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean you're selling chocolate bars. You're not selling images. You're selling chocolate bars. So you kind of burn the value into a chocolate bar and the image come with this like as a as a whatever free token what are you getting when you buy an nft of a digital piece of art well in a nutshell well you get in the file whatever it's a video right now so far you can get piece of music right you can get right like anything essentially any digital file that can be digitized you can get it through nft what it does though you're not just getting that, you're getting a sort of authenticity. The true value is in authenticity. It's sort of like many people can have a copy of your image, but they will only have a JPEG file of that. What you own is sort of like rights to it, burned into NFT, into a blockchain. People can brag about, oh, well, I have a JPEG file of that, so what the big deal? I'm like, sure. But only I do have an original that artists did and artists agreed on that. We all agree on the fact that this is original. Artist agrees on that, and digital um, contract kind of like preserves that fact. And many people can dismiss that, and you can go ahead. But the problem will start when you're gonna start when you're gonna try to sell it. That's what the beauty is. Let's say, for example, you collected my artwork for a thousand bucks, and many many people have my work as a JPEG file. If you're gonna try to resell my work to someone else, other collectors will just be stupid buying a JPEG file and not buying an NFT file. Because like, well, that's what the one that we all agree that this is original. It burned into a file. No one can mess with that. It's an encrypted signature of the artist that says this specific file is an original. And I'm selling you, in, as a collector, you collect that fact. You're actually paying for that more than for artwork itself as a visual representation of that. So when you're going to try to sell it, another collector will be like, well, I don't want any of those JPEG files. I want the one that has a a burnt address that it came from that artist, right? Because it burns the ad- my address, right? I'm, I'm not sure how technology exactly works, but it burns where the work came from originally. 
from this and me Anton Lukashov it came from me and this guy bought it it's all been preserved like this this sort of history of uh buy and sell it's a kind of philosophical question like that's where the value truly is in a signature so hearing this what i hear is a lot of valuable properties that nfts are helping artists particularly digital artists mm-hmm. the contention that i have is that the actual technology behind nfts don't solve almost anything that you mentioned mm-hmm. and that's the concern so you're saying that someone can hack into that nft file and change it or like for example copy make a make a fake of that can someone make a fake nft file like oh like if it came from me can someone do that no my contention is that an nft file provides almost nothing no no it's that's fine it doesn't need to provide anything that's <laughs> it's not about well i mean like at least for me it doesn't need to provide more than just a proof of authenticity in a Early 20th century, 1916, um, Duchamp, he made uh, an artwork, uh, just a urinal, and he just signed it. It was like a mass-produced object, thousands of copies being produced. That's a really great example of, of for NFT right now. So Duchamp, he took one of the mass-produced objects because it was like an industrial revolution, right, at that time going on. Every been, everything is being produced in... Um, mass copies so he took a bunch of things that been produced at that time that been mass produced and been like just regular objects brooms uh urinals and uh other objects doesn't matter and what all he did is just signed that object and he said this is art and it's all that it took turning a regular object that been produced in thousand copies and he turned it into a piece of art that only being valuable because some artist signed it. It was very controversial because it's like we always pretend that the value of artwork is in the idea itself or like oh how it's painted. Like you know, back then at least in like you know before computers we were a thing. Like people painted, right? Like, oh this is but photography kind of ruined it all. Right? Like somehow like um art artists kind of lost their identity. Like, oh well I don't need to paint realistically anymore. Why would they paint realistically when there's photogra- photography? It can do better than I do, in a way. I mean, it's still, again, up to debate, right? It doesn't matter. But the point it was like it was a crisis, right? That's why Picasso came about. That's why all these impressionists came about because they tried to diversify. They tried to stay away from realistically depicting anything and actually depicting an emotion, right? And the next step was that um, uh, Duchamp he just took one of the objects that been mass produced and just signed it and said, "This is art." Uh, like how and what it opened conversation about is that where do we really find value what is really valuable is it the work itself that it's beautifully painted not really this is where we kind of started opening the doors to like cutting to real truth about what where the value really is my contention is nfts don't solve the problems you listed and the solutions you gave aren't realized with NFTs. Okay. What, what problems did they list? That you, what, what did they list as a problem? A lot of the benefits you ascribe to NFTs, mm-hmm. for example, authenticity mm-hmm. or the fact that it cannot be copied or that you get a JPEG mm-hmm. and you know, you know that there are no other copies mm-hmm. with that and there's somewhere you can verify. Mm-hmm. Almost none of those things are true with NFTs currently today. Can someone fake my signature? Like for example somehow faking the specific address that come from me, Anton, right? Like, uh, 
my uh, blockchain address, right, like on Ethereum, and then take one of the JPEG files that I have and burn it, and mint the artwork, and then sell it like if it's me. Could it be done? If if it's yes, then we have a problem, and I'm surprised no one talks about it. If no, that's all I need. <laughs> Suddenly it's solved. The first thing is that what you've ascribed to NFTs, mm. I don't see that as being realized by the technology. And the second thing is there are technologies that would realize what you're saying mm -hmm. and blockchains would be zero part of that solution. And here, I think it's better for me to just ask you a question rather than tell you what I'm going to say. So you started on the Ethereum blockchain, correct? I have two now. There's Tezos as well. But yeah, I started with Ethereum. Going back to, to the early days, mm -hmm. the first place you went was on Ethereum. I like there's a few platforms that based on Ethereum as of right now because that's kind of like the only one that kind of has uh, NFT, uh, yeah, NFT and smart contracts. So I applied a whole bunch of them, but only Rarible kind of like um, because you have to apply to be on their platform. So applied to Superior Foundation, yeah, just those three and Rarible. Rarible they accepted me and they actually verified me. I actually just got recently uh, uh, verified on Foundation as well. So those those ones that run on Ethereum, they allow you to mint the artwork and that's where you can showcase your work. That's where, that's where collectors and artists connect, essentially. We're actually looking at your art right here. Mm -hmm. This is your profile on Rarible. Right. Uh, you have nine distinct pieces, mm -hmm. is that correct? Or that, is it... Is it uh, it's, it's nine collectors. pieces being uh, minted but they have multiple copies in them. And your first piece was Diamond Hands. When was that? <laughs> that was like uh, back in February. I, that's when I kind of like just discovered NFT. I was so surprised I never heard about it before. That's what I was so mad about. I feel like I was so late to the to the space. So I quickly just made something I can make quickly in a day. So I made this kind of like a, and it was like, that's when uh, uh, GME was pumping and the people were talking about Diamond Hands and all that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make something that kind of like encapsulates what's um, popular today. Just as a joke, it was nothing more. It's not, it's, I wouldn't even call it an artwork, more like a joke. So I just made like uh, this kind of uh, hands that kind of like trying to hold onto the diamond, like diamond hands a lot. And just minted three pieces of that. So did you have a th Ether before that? Did you have any cryptocurrency before that? I was, I don't know. I, I think I just bought Ethereum for like just to hold it onto it like uh, like not for practical users just to buy and preserve the value um that's pretty much it that's all i kind of knew about because i was really scared i was kind of late to the space i was just start looking at it seriously at some point because on wealth simple it became available so i could actually buy ethereum because before i was really scared to even invest into this cryptocurrency space so you bought ether on wealth simple and then you withdrew from wealth simple is that what happened no, no, no. Uh, for that, I, I just bought sep um, on a separate uh, account uh, so I can mint works like for practical reasons. Oh, I see. So you had some Ether in Wealthsimple and then you went and bought some more to... Right. So I can mint. I mean, I, I bought like what, like uh, 0.15 Ethereum so I can do minting. Then you made a MetaMask account? I opened uh, other accounts where I can actually buy Ethereum and actually own it. And so then I put it on a MetaMask so I can actually start minting the works because that's that's the uh, app that kind of works in all these uh, platforms like variable this is the first time you're interacting directly with the blockchain like the ethereum network yes, right how complicated was that it was kind of complicated because there was a lot of the, uh, a lot of information to observe even understanding what blockchain is and how this works and why why this what the smart contract 
contracts are and why I need like MetaMask. Why do I need like, like all this new terminology like minting, burning, swapping? <laughs> Sounds so wrong to, to list those things. Uh, <laughs> um, it was all brand new to me. Even understanding how the technology works is so brand new and kind of scary. I remember my hands were shaking because I felt like I'm doing something like scary, digital. I feel like I'm going to be hacked at any moment and all my value going to be stolen. Uh, I, I was really skittish about even trying to uh, buy Ethereum. It, was, it felt very weird because I'm spending money on something digital. Like, like it felt a little bit sketchy at the beginning, which is now coming back to it's kind of it's, it's kind of hilarious that I actually was feeling that. Uh, it was all brand new. But when I read about NFTs, I knew exactly what it's about. I didn't even understand. It. I just kind of briefly skimmed through the fact that I can digitally preserve the value and do these things. I didn't care. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? What does it take? I didn't care. I need to get through this. I need to do this. And once I've done and minted my first work on Rarible, it felt like uh, I'd done something like a, some big breakthrough. And it felt amazing. It, it felt like suddenly this is it. This is how I'm going to do these things now. So that first mint, how long did it take? Was it a big barrier or were you done really quickly? Oh, it was so scary because at first it didn't show up as a minted work. I was like, oh my God, here it comes. The glitches or I did something wrong and they took money and now I'm going to have to like cancel it or something. So I had to wait for overnight almost for my work to actually uh, be officially burnt and showcase as a like a like a it, it's playable someone can take a look at it i guess uh, i didn't know there's like such thing as gas fees i didn't understand that what gas fee is i didn't know it takes some time to burn i didn't understand that it takes a while for it to show up so i was freaking out i'm like i couldn't even sleep i, went, I remember like next day i woke up and i went to look at it and it was still showing like a like a, something like still loading or whatnot it shows that i have it but it doesn't show the artwork and i'm like what is going on only like a couple hours later, I kind of saw it appearing pro pro properly and I was happy. I was like, okay, this is good now. So now I get it. So this is late at night after you tried to do it the first time, a couple hours go by and finally it shows up. Went through, all was fine. Um, I finally, like, I've been introduced to gas fees. I didn't know I had to spend like all this money, but I didn't know what's going on. I just want to, whatever it takes, I will go through. So it was like a learning process. So I didn't know what's what. I didn't know how much gas fees supposed to cost. I remember I paid like 60 bucks even that day. So that day you paid $60 to mint. Was it one NFT or did you do several all at once? Well, I made just like one mint of three copies. So it's a limited edition, three copies, unique tokens. Yes. Yeah. And I sold them for like, for nothing. It was just a joke. I sold them for like 0 0.01 Ethereum or something. And Ethereum was cheap back then. It was like uh, 1200 bucks. How did you come to the, like, the U.S. dollar value that you're ascribing is, like, what, $100 per, per image? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was, like, 100 bucks for per image. 100 bucks is a reasonable amount for a limited edition of something. I mean, it's unique. I, I described it as a diamond hands only, like, the most uh, diamond hand people deserve to buy this work. So I kind of, like, try to play in psychology, like, you only deserve, you only, des only the ones who, like, really have diamond hands deserve to buy this work. And I guess it worked because they all sold out in between like a uh, couple of weeks. I think you were uh, you were there when I discovered that it's been sold. So all three of your NFTs of the same of of one mm -hmm. image, the Diamond Hands, sold within two weeks. Um, who were the people that bought them? I have no idea. I don't know who they bought, why they bought. I have no idea. But uh, one of the works 
instantly been flipped into a hundred for a hundred Ethereum. I mean, they they just listed it as a selling value for a hundred Ethereum, and I'm like, why would anyone do that? So someone bought your work for a hundred bucks and then later flipped it for a thousand times more. They, they haven't flipped it yet. They listed it and priced it at a hundred Ethereum. And I was like thinking, this is crazy. I mean, and I guess people just do this because they're just kind of trying to find a sucker who can buy it, who will buy it. This is where it's also interesting. Um, as an artist, like you list your work and what you do, you're also burning in into royal royalties in it. So you can sell your work very cheap. You assume, for example, like, well, collector will buy it and then they will do their work. Don't forget, some collectors become really famous on their own. They become sort of like more famous than artists. Like, for example, like, in the pre-NFT world, like all these Gagosi and the famous galleries, right? Like there are art collectors who buy work really cheap and then they resell it for a lot of money. It happened in the 60s. That happened a lot. Artists were like, what the hell was going on? Why you bought from me for $1,000 and now you send it for $100,000? And I get no penny of this. So you're saying with your NFTs, if the resale happens, you get a cut? I get a cut because it's burned into the uh, token. It's a part of the contractual obligation. I can say how much royalty I want to get, which is absolutely amazing. Then you don't even have to sell your work for money as long as you manage to sell to a collector who can later resell it for a lot of money. And you get a cut of it. Finally, it becomes democratic for an artist. But finally, it also like, I don't have to try to upsell you right away because I know I will, like, I won't see any money from other sales later. So I don't even have to sell for a lot of money. I, I just have to resell to right people. That's another aspect. And for example, let's say it resell, resold a couple times and it resold for like 10 times more, right? And you get like, a, let's say 10% or 15% or 20%, depending on how, how confident you feel. Like, you know, if you're not famous artist, you better not to do this because you don't want to like cut in into, um, into the value of a potential uh, collector who wants to resell your work. But it allows for an artist to participate in a future value. Essentially, people you don't know around the world are mm -hmm. trading your art. Yeah. And you're making a cut as you're sleeping with zero intermediaries, exactly. essentially. Don't forget, some collectors, they know better how to sell your work. And, and, and the fact that they're famous collectors, they sort of give you credibility that you need so much. It used to be a gallery gave you that. Or their collectors and like uh, patrons. In conventional art world, right, you have your gallery, they have Patreons, they sort of, they keep investing in you. They believe in you because they, don't forget, those guys are also kind of looking at you like as an investment. To them, you're a preservation of value. They're not going to pick some random guy. And gallery is the one that tells, like, this guy is great, essentially. Because gallery is sort of like, they're like they look, they're looking for new artists, they, they sort of bring in them some uh, Patreon buys your work for like a thousand bucks and we know in 10 years this guy will be bigger than now and I can resell his work for like a hundred grand instead instead of oh, 10,000 whatever right but then and now they're buying for a thousand dollars this way that allows me to continue being an artist and I continue uh, doing my art and you were very heavily dependent on those relationships on those connections right they're very important um, but right now what happened uh, with this NFT contracts, suddenly my patron could be anywhere in the world. They're not bounded to a specific art gallery. But the other thing, you're bound to their taste. They have to like your art. Sort of gal no, no gallery tells them so, but they, the, the way for them to judge your artwork is that you rely on their taste, that they have a good one, 
obviously whoever buys your work that you think they have a good artist but also they start judging you by social media so social media suddenly instagram followers that's how you monetize them it kind of gives you this new way to say oh this artist is good because he has a million like a thousand followers right plus i like his art he has a thousand followers um uh and he's not expensive right now and some famous collector picks up your work and that gives you even more credibility. Suddenly you buy the credibility for these collectors. And these collectors, and it's a kind of like a, a new generation of collectors as well. Because a lot of those collectors come from crypto world. Those people who invested into cryptocurrency a long time ago. Because a lot of them hold in a lot of Ethereum for, because they bought at cheap price. You, you, you make your first NFT. In two mm -hmm. weeks they sell. You're mm -hmm. up a few hundred dollars. Yeah. In ether terms, now you've right. spent a little bit of ether, but you're well into the profits at this point. Yeah, like uh, my in initial investment paid off like three times right away. Like suddenly, instead of a hundred fifty, like two hundred dollars I put in, I have like six hundred dollars. Then I see that your following artworks are much more in line with what you really want to do. Exactly. So that, because because before it was always limited to what I am able to paint, because digital art could be so much more intricate and complicated, but I had to like a sort of like cut off a lot of that uh, cool um, uh, features of digital artwork because for me I'm limited to what I can paint so I have to be able to be paint a digital artwork so I have to dumb it down a lot but now so suddenly I'm not bound to that suddenly I can do whatever I can use I can fully um, I can fully open to these capabilities of what digital art uh, software digital software can uh, can uh, offer suddenly many more ideas can be uh, realized and also much quicker. Your portfolio, at least on Rarible, where you started, tells a different story because after a few more pieces, you decide to leave Rarible and, and then leave the Ethereum network as a whole. So w walk me through the profit and how you priced your next items, how that looked like, how much money you made. I mean, just walk us through... Um, after this diamond hint thing, I've done two more pieces of art. Like I was like fully into it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make something else now. And, um, so I made two pieces of artwork. Uh, uh I'm not going to describe it online. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna describe it right now, but you can just go to take a look at it. Uh, so I made two more pieces that also been picked up by some social media and they kind of like, uh, advertise me on Twitter a little bit. And they also advertise me on an Instagram not advertised, like sort of like highlighted me. And once that highlight happened, I was able to sell all uh, three. Like I had like two works that had like uh, one original and uh, one that had like three originals, like three copies of that. So they all been sold right away almost. I see that you have Anatomy 01 and Unreal 01. So Unreal 01 was only one, one of one and Anatomy 01 was uh, three copies. And they kind of connected to each other in a way, like thematically, they were connected. Uh, one of one was kind of like a, the main piece, and the the other uh, anatomy zero one was a, sort of a satellite piece, kind of like a token. And I made three copies of that, and they kind of like a spins around, more like a sculptural um, piece to it, like a, sort of like more like a digital sculpture. These they sold instantly. Not instantly. They've been sitting there for like a couple of weeks before uh, they've been picked up by some of the. Uh, social media accounts so it's a sort of highlight nft artwork so they highlighted me and i sold all all of them right away 
like after they highlight, they kind of like instantly been sold. And I noticed that none of them are for resale now. And the the price you set for them again is it was it much higher than the price for the original piece, the first piece you did on Rarible? Uh, yeah, it was what ten times almost higher. I mean, it still was very cheap compared. Like it wasn't point zero one; it was point one and then point twenty five Ethereum, which was by judging by other artists like it was very reasonable price it was very cheap at the time can you give me roughly how many hundreds of dollars that is per um, like 0.25 would be like 700 dollars and 0.1 would be like 300 like, no sorry 100 like 200 bucks or something 150 dollars and as when i sold them all um i almost end up having like almost one full ethereum after that at this point you have one ether and that's worth like around 2000 us dollars at the time uh, like it was eighteen hundred. That's when like actually Ethereum was breaking through two thousand when they've been bought out. So whatever that accounts to. Like I, I right now, like when I look at my account, it's like almost like I started with point one Ethereum and now I have like point eight. And that's after all the minting I spend money on, like because it also requires some Ethereum, right? When you're minting these, uh, the last few months, it's fair to say that you're spending twenty, forty, sixty, sometimes a hundred, two hundred dollars to mint one of these <laughs> NFTs. Actually, uh like all subsequent uh, mints that I've made, I've made them always when Ethereum was on a dip. <laughs> so I've managed to to mint at very cheap prices, like under 30 bucks. Because people complain how minting is so expensive and I couldn't understand why. They say like, I never encountered those prices, but I also, I feel like it's something to do with geography and time when you do it. I feel like somehow maybe in Canada, because we maybe we have our own like uh, miners or the ones that provide like uh, hashing services, like uh, minting services. I think they're very cheap because I never encountered those prices that people encountered. My most expensive mint was like 60 bucks and that's only happened once. The cost to make a transaction depends on the congestion and the congestion is a, gl- right. it's a global network. Right. So the congestion depends on how many people are actively using the network because it's skewed towards North America. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it late at night or early in the morning, then you're not hitting business hours. I guess so. So, I w- so here you go. So, suggesting every artist who, who does minting do it really late at night because that's when I end up doing this every time. That's when I finally end up all the minting processes, uh, converting files into uh, proper size uh, MP4 files. And I guess that's when the minting prices are the cheapest. I was like always like under 30 bucks, 28 bucks, $25. And just for context, as the price of Ether is going up, this is adding to the cost of doing transactions because when right. ether is worth 10 times more that means the 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 gas price is 10 times more in US dollar or Canadian dollar terms most people when they're buying and trading these nfts they're doing it in peak business hours because that's when most people are on the ethereum network right. for them when you mint it might cost you let's say 30 US dollars mm-hmm. For them to purchase it additionally costs let's say 80 dollars because it's a big transaction to swap Right. Between like wrapped ether and to wrap that ether and there's another contract and then to make the swap. So people are essentially paying a hundred dollars just to get your NFT. And I think this leads to the next part, which is why you chose to leave the Ethereum network. I, I didn't leave it. I just I just abandoned it because like right now there's a new platform. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's a Hikanan. I'm not sure how to pronounce I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's like a, based on Tezos. That's the one. So this platform uses utilizes uh, Tezos token, a platform, but a blockchain, and that's kind of like I, I, because they're centralized, they're able to control gas fees, and they also have this kind of its own sort of aesthetic that kind of attracts a different kind of arts 
I can't. It's like it feels like a little bit more for programmers because you can you can uh, do you can even NFT uh, little video games in it like ping pong. People like NFT like a a video uh, a video game like a ping pong like a, the original version of it or they mint uh, pieces of code. I don't know how that works. Um, you can NFT like interactive. 3d files you can actually rotate it so which none of the other platforms offer that so you move from ethereum and you decide to go on tezos where there's another platform like rarible except mm-hmm. for tezos and it's called hick at none and right. it's a i guess a portuguese or a spanish word it's a it's it's i believe they're based in brazil like the developers are in brazil so i would assume it's like some sort of brazilian word because it's centralized the gas fees are cheaper I would say it's zero <laughs> because like you will not notice. It's like uh, if you convert it into a dollar, it's like uh, under like zero, zero cents. I'm not sure what's going to happen to them once they become really big because they've, it's like, um, because I joined quite late, I would say. I wasn't like early adopter of NFT system. I wasn't an early adoptive, adopter on uh, crypto art. Um, so I guess like, it's like if I join uh, Rarible and NFT network, um, as like uh, back in 2019, let's say, when everything was cheap and not very well known. Because this this platform based on Tezos is quite brand new and only now big artists are joining in as well. But it's quite small space still. So it's kind of like I'm becoming an early adopter of this platform. It allowed me to sell more work, actually. I'm more successful on this platform than the other one. And also because it kind of also uh, promotes that you make more copies of your work for some reason. It's like it attracts more artists that kind of like making some very funky or very um, specific style, kind of like easy to make or kind of like less serious. Some artists make work in uh, 8-bit style and it's really cool. And they make like hundreds of copies of that and they sell it for like 10 or 5 Tezos. And Tezos is very cheap to buy right now. So Ethereum become like so valuable People kind of hesitate unless you're a big NFT collector who has a lot of NFT. I'm sorry, and a lot of Ethereum. I feel like there's a lot of hesitation to spend it now. Tezos is very cheap to buy. So it makes a low entry cost for new collectors to come in. For example, maybe there's more artists, uh, sorry, more collectors like my work that kind of like um, don't have a lot of money and they're able to do it now. They can buy my artwork. I will make like 100 copies, sell for one Tezos. And it goes really quick. So I will make a hundred copies of that and I sell for one Tezos, like, which is like six bucks. Uh, or I make like, like right now my latest work I made is only three. And how can I find your work, by the way, on this site? That's another piece. It's like you almost cannot look for anyone. It's like randomly shows up. You can really specific. You can, you can, uh, I can send you a link to an artwork. But it looks like you cannot look up my name even. I'm not sure if you can. Can you? Well, I tried and uh, I yeah, don't see... Yeah, it's, it only shows random or... Um, like, for example, you can scroll down, actually. It will show my work because that's another thing you can do. You can actually can pay a little talk, a little bit and they will make you in the headlines. So if you scroll, you can actually find my work. So it will show up at some point. Here you go. Here's what one of so you can go to like this. No, no, no. Go, scroll down a little bit. You can go to issuer, and now you suddenly have access to all of my artwork. So this is my most recent work. I sell. I made three copies, and I sell them like for like twenty five tezos, and only like right now I I never really sold more, for more than 15, 20 tezos, 
um, but this is my first work I, I sold for, like I'm selling for 25 just because Tezos went down in value like like uh, 50% right now because of the recent drop and I think um, I'm assuming Tezos is right now kind of at early stages of like like uh, as Ethereum was like a couple of years ago let's say um, so right now it's kind of like I'm not selling for too much money but what, for example, my other artwork, I made a thousand copies on purpose and I'm only selling for one Tezos. So anyone can have my copy of my artwork. For I'm, a dollar, pretty much. For, yeah, it's like, what is it, three bucks for one Tezos right now? It's extremely cheap. Even six dollars would be cheap. Um, but it's just kind of like, just for fun. I just like want to be in everyone's collection, let's say. I want to kind of cut to the chase with what I see as the technical accomplishment of NFTs and what they actually offer. Are you familiar with a service that allows people to name stars after, for example, like a loved one. So what? So there's a service uh -huh. that you might have seen if you watched some kooky romance movie where mm -hmm. you saw someone who's being overly romantic. And the service is simple. You go to a company. I'm going to show you actually the website here. You go to a, a company mm -hmm. like this, mm -hmm. and you can name any star you want mm -hmm. after your wife or your girlfriend. And what right. they'll do is down here for just Twenty four ninety. Mm -hmm. You can pick a specific star that's visible in the night sky, right. and this company, Cosmo Nova. By mm -hmm. the way, not a sponsor. I'm, I don't take any money for anyone. Cosmo Nova, hey, this Ryan. company, yeah. very well trusted here. Hundred percent satisfaction guaranteed. Officially <laughs> registered, certified, all of this. Yeah. For just twenty four ninety, you can pick a star, name it after whatever you want, mm -hmm. and on top of that, they're not just going to officially register that name right. they're going to send you all the documentation with a signature and even a plaque if you right. pay more money yep. here the binary star gift pack this is very romantic if wow. you name a binary star you know you and the wife you, right you know and for 64.90 what you get isn't just the certificate you get quite a lot they'll, they'll uh -huh. mail it to you they'll give you a name they'll say official they'll have a date they'll uh, mm -hmm. they'll give you the registration number right. yep. and this is filed by a company that specializes in dealing with right. this information. And what I want to point out is that this service here is doing the very same thing that NFTs are doing. Hmm. Okay. How is that enforced? How do you enforce all of that information? How, how, like, for example, I can fake this. I, can, I, I cannot really trust. If, if this is on its own in a JPEG file. Even if they send me a piece of paper, I have to rely on the fact that they somehow in their company, somewhere in their building, there's a data file that sort of preserves it. That's like DMV version, right? Like sort of like a, how you get your driver license. I mean, this is based on government, right? The information also gets lost all the time, right? They make mistakes. So I have to rely on this fact that this company will exist for many years I, I, I know you're going to say, well, Ethereum might not exist tomorrow either, right? Oh, I wouldn't say that about Ethereum, <laughs> but Tezos for sure. Te no, absolutely. I agree with you. And that's why, for example, um, well, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully they will. I, I don't know. If they don't exist, does it mean that network will die as well then? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean, with Tezos, you just said it's centralized and you're right. Right. If the, the guy who runs Tezos, yeah. I've heard him talk, not very smart. Like, Never seems smart. like kind of a, a scammer, to be totally honest. Um, <laughs> and he was part of the Ethereum pump about right. getting a bunch of other coins like Ethereum. Right. And, of course, he chose a quick and easy uh, trade-off, you know. 
make make things cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just a Binance smart I know, chain. It, I know it's not. I know it's not very good that it's centralized, and that's what Ethereum is trying. That's why Ethereum gas price is so high because it's not. It's a decentralized network, right? Well, let's talk about what exactly you want here, mm-hmm. because this company here is is a registered business in Canada. Right. They they know they have registries, official Canadian registries for mm-hmm. naming stars. Okay. And not just that, you can go and meet the people that work at this company. Fine. You can call them Fine. up. When they send you a piece of paper and sign it and then file that away, Right. Like that's an official document. What you have when you have a transaction on Ethereum is absolutely nothing. And this is very important to crystallize. Right. No one cares about Ethereum. Like you think that it's official. Mm-hmm. But the question to ask is why is Ethereum official but Tezos isn't? And if both are official... How do you know which one to trust? I never said that Tezos is not official. What do you mean official? I'm asking if Tezos and Ethereum are both official, Mm -hmm. if you go on one and say there's a limited edition of only 10 copies, and Mm -hmm. then you go on the other at the same time. Oh, I've done that. I've done that. I mean, I absolutely. But that's the way, that's where it sort of like comes down to me being an artist that sort of, it's it becomes, what, what is it called? Ethical question, right? Sort of like I'm being honest about how many copies on what platform exists. It's actually very interesting. That's what I was actually asking myself. Like, not myself, but I was actually asking. I haven't seen yet multi-platform artists, uh, artists that do two different type of blockchain. Not just platform, right? I could mint on Rarible Ethereum-based artwork NFT. I could do it on Foundation, the same piece of art, also on uh, Ethereum, because nothing stops me. I can do this. It's not like there's like a uh, some sort of algorithm like, oh, no, you already have this JPEG file minted on this platform, therefore you can't because you said you only can make three copies. In the case of naming stars, they do have a way. No, 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 I understand that. But <laughs> I don't care that they can do this because what it does, it introduces this party that has to submit paperwork. They have to, they, it's, it's, there's real people involved and I have to rely on those people. I don't want that to be part of it. They, when you have a, something like a platform, what it, it's a very small difference, but I guess it's a very important difference. It's from peer to peer. It's like they just doing the service of minting and burning and sort of like making transactions and then they take their fees and they get out of my way. I don't need them to send me paperwork, right? Like, I mean, we all kind of buy into the fact that there's a blockchain technology that kind of like guarantees that it's all authentic. They, I'm, you buy my work. I don't buy into that at all. Well, that's where it's sort of like, I just believe them that they do that. Well, that's fine. But that, then the question is... what You're probably no better. Maybe you're right. It's a scam. I feel like time will show if it's true or not. I, it's either I can trust you and I believe you. You're probably right. But so far, I never had such a quick turnaround of my art before like NFT came around. So because you made money, it's legitimate. Well, as an artist, I'm just taking my chances here. Right? And like, that's fair. I'm happy. I'm happy to be able to sell my work. Someone buys it. It... I'm being recognized. It sort of reinforces that it works. Obviously, tomorrow someone comes away and say like Ethereum is suddenly disappears. It's all a scam, and we all go home. And I I I made money, and if I'm lucky, converting those money, uh, those uh, Ethereum into like fiat dollar, which I don't want to even do that. So, but maybe I could like uh, convert some to for like a. Uh, like, you know, preservation. So suppose I told you that this entire NFT space is just a complete fad illusion right. of art fraud. Sure. And it happens to be the case that you, as a legitimate artist, enter this space. Mm-hmm. And 
you don't have this deep cryptography or computer science background. You just want to do what you love and want to make mm-hmm. your art. And that's yeah. very fair. What's happening here is that the entire value that's being generated here mm-hmm. is one based in incredibly misled speculation, speculative mm-hmm. mania. I feel like, yeah, there's a speculative side to it. And there's a lot of flippers that sort of pump in the value of certain items, someone else's artwork. It's kind of beyond my control. And we can sp- and we can talk about how much of a bubble it is, but so what? I mean, it will pop, it will stabilize. My main point is like, we will never, we will not know for many years until like at some point it will become legitimized by government, by everyone. We're sort of all taking our chances here. And the thing is, there's a lot of speculation. It's But the same can be said exactly about the art world before NFT. All these Sotheby's auctions that sells uh, artwork that have been 100,000 last year and this year that sells like for a couple million or like 100 million, who knows? And, and, and when we say like, why is this artwork selling for so much money? It, sh- it shouldn't. It's not that amazing. <laughs> but someone ready to buy it for this much money. Art, art world is a bubble on its own. It's all been held by... Like a, in a very ethereal, like a bunch of people who just say, yes, it's valuable. And NFT has like at least some sort of like current, like it's actually kind of more legitimate to me than the art world itself. Because here I sort of like free of all of all those um, middle people who stand be, between me, a collector. It's all been removed. Like I don't need like a some some gallery tell me this artwork is valuable by for 10k or 100k because that's what's been happening in our world there's a lot of intermediaries that sort of like hold like a gatekeepers of that value the trouble i have with these conversations is that when i talk to someone like yourself who is in every way a authentic and legitimate person like mm-hmm. very skilled person but we're now talking about blockchain and crypto which is sort of my a wheelhouse. Yeah. On the one hand, you identify a clear problem, right. and then you go to say NFTs have these five properties that mm-hmm. really helpful. Then I say none of those five properties are realized, mm-hmm. and I can bluff all of them okay. easily. And it's more expensive and right. more difficult in every regard. And then your response, and this is very common that I hear from people, mm-hmm. is, but you know what? The regular world, that's yeah. so corrupt and bad that yeah. this corrupt feels a little bit less corrupt, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay that this is terrible because that's yeah. also terrible. Yeah. And to me, it seems weird. An exciting new technology has this sentiment where we can only justify it as, well, at least it's not as terrible mm-hmm. as the terrible, awful, fraudulent way things are. And here's the reality. Either there is technology here that offers specific properties, which you've claimed and which I don't think are defensible, or it's just another way to commit fraud in the 21st century. And that's what it looks like right now. I think what's going to happen at some point, it will be so big to fail. Because what other systems are, they're also all fraudulent systems that are just simply too big to fail. People did the same thing with gold. They did the same thing with uh, when... Uh, when uh, With Beanie Babies. What is that? Oh, I don't know much about it, but I heard about it. The thing, the thing is like, if a lot of people agree that this is valuable, therefore it is. Like you, you, you become so big and inter- in and intertwined into many, many people's lives that it doesn't even matter if maybe blockchain simply works exactly as you say. But there's so many people involved into it, 
that they sort of like preserving that it does work. Because I just don't understand if you're right, then why why there's so much money being pumped into it and successfully being pumped into it? It's really hard to conspire with so many people at the same time successfully. You cannot keep so many people in it before someone just decides, you know what, it's all a fraud and like they just uncover it. Because by doing that, you can actually make a lot of money by uncovering the truth about it. But why is it hasn't happened yet? That's what I don't understand. You ask, why is there so much money being pumped into it? Because people are making money and people want to get rich quick. And in particular, they found a new venue to steal from people who don't know what's going on with the technology. Mm -hmm. The second thing is there's a lot of money to be made by calling scams. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. This space is overwhelmingly scammy. Mm -hmm. And there is very little money in saying something is a scam. There's a ton of money in backing scams which is what everyone mm -hmm. is choosing to do. Right. And it's what makes this space awful right. in so many ways. And it, the unregulated nature is terrible. You say that many people have to conspire to keep it secret. Not at all. All that people have to do is just dance around and say, <laughs> this is the future, this is the future, and, yeah. and just enjoy as they make money. You're not conspiring. You're right. just profiting. That's true. I just don't know where we draw the line. Like non-fungible token or whatever, like smart contracts. We're here talking about NFTs mm -hmm. because you're making the claim that it's helpful as a technology for artists, at least for digital right. artists. And my point mm -hmm. and my claim is that all that's happened is naming of stars. And I want to walk you through this just for a sec. Specifically, I want you to see that mm -hmm. the, the, the things you mentioned mm -hmm. as properties of NFTs mm -hmm. are completely not realized by NFTs. If, if you're thinking right. about buying an NFT, here's right. what it means to mint an NFT. Mm -hmm. You take anything in the world, right. you, you have a digital form. It's right. just ones and zeros mm -hmm. and you hash it. A hash is a very small fingerprint. Right. It isn't the piece itself. It's just a fingerprint. Fingerprint it's, that it's my fingerprint, Anton Lukashov. No, no, it's the fingerprint of the file. So if a, sing, if a single thing is tweaked on the file, then the fingerprint is different. Okay. When you're minting a token, all you're doing is you're saying new token number 085 whatever, whatever, mm -hmm. and attaching to that, that little hash. And someone is literally, when they're buying that, all they're buying is a number in a database with a fingerprint. So my G uh, JPEG file, my artwork, it has that hash inside of it? No. No. Blockchain that attached to it has it? What What's happening? What, what pieces are happening here? What, we have a JPEG file on one side. We have a hash on the other side. Wonderful question. The hash, mm -hmm. the JPEG file is so right. big and heavy. You know this. It's megabytes. Yeah. yeah. Right? You can't store that on a blockchain. Right. It, it's too large to store. Right. So instead, they store an 80-byte hash. Right. Very small. 32-byte hash, 80-byte right. hash, whatever, how many bytes it is. Mm -hmm. Very small. I could write it on a napkin. What you're buying is that, is hash? that hash. Someone else can make another non-fungible token. Mm -hmm. With the same hash no one's gonna stop you one second go on a different platform do it again with the same hash no one's gonna stop you so how come this is not falling apart yet how come there's no confusion between two different files why why does it happen how people distinguish then that my artwork with my hash is not the same hash with the same numbers that someone else has already yeah, great question. The answer is NFTs don't solve it. And therefore, a lot of people are going on Instagram and stealing work and selling it and just claiming they're the person. No, no, no. That's I'm asking about how um, does it preserve an address where the file came from? 
Does it have this information? Yes. When you make an NFT, your address. So my address is in this hash somehow preserved. No, it's just that the transaction saying your address created this token, that's which all I need. has this that's hash. That's all I need. Okay. So I have my blockchain address. Am I saying it correctly? I have sure. blockchain address. That's me, Anton Lukashov. That's how you can recognize it's me and not someone else. Uh, firstly, that's that wrong. Does, no? That's wrong. Okay. Uh, how do we know it's Anton Lukashov? Well, okay. I'm owning this crypto wallet. How do we know that? Right? That's, no, I don't, I'm asking you then. I'm asking you. I have no idea. The answer is you don't. <laughs> okay. So my understanding that this somehow can be tracked to my wallet somehow, to me. Can it? What you've done is, is it... you have an address yeah. and an address made a token. Yeah which has a fingerprint. Right. And you'll notice that the fingerprint is that of a particular digital file. That's it. Done. That's all I want. In skeletal terms, all we want for authenticity is that connection. It doesn't provide authenticity. No, it does. If I take your work okay. and upload it to right. a, a, to the EOS oh, blockchain, I see what, you mean. what are you going to do? No, what no, are you no, going to no, do? One, one second. It doesn't come... You will do it, but then it will be different wallet address that does it. No, I'll go on EOS and I will say, I'm Anton Lukashov. And I will make a, a, an address well, I and will, I will mint all of the tokens addresses you Addresses are public. Addresses are public, right? I can easily make it public. There's no, it doesn't need to be private, right? Address is public. That's right. Here you go. Me, Anton Lukashov, I will make a website saying, this is the only public address that guarantees that this is me. Okay. That's it. Right. So what, what you're noticing is... By, by, by the way... I guess that's why those platforms, what they're doing is providing verification. Because when I'm verified on Rarible, there's only one Anton being verified on Rarible. And anyone who mints under my name, but not verified, they're, they're not legit, legitimate. And collectors know that. That's why, for example, that's why, for example on Foundation or uh, Rarible, people like buying from there. No one... You can you can go to OpenSea or uh, the other websites where people just like create their um, they create the artwork they're ripping off a lot of people I've seen it it's being done I'm not that big yet so people start ripping it off but pe when people but people know about it when become more famous you become you know you become more aware making sure that people buying from your address and like everyone else is illegitimate okay at first you said no middlemen. I already have counted three middlemen. I see <laughs> yeah. When I talk about middlemen of in the art galleries, it's like there's a a whole like there's a whole institution that stands in between you and the collector, let's say. This is very different. Those guys they don't care if you're famous, they don't care about this. They verify you for sure. They have become gatekeepers. And that's why so many people now are living into other platforms. So th there's different You're right. At some point they will become this annoying middleman as well. Right, gatekeepers. But that's but while the platforms are very young and forming, there's a uh, we're still early comers. The problem with this discussion is that we run in circles where every time a problem is brought up, it's just well, no, this is worse. Fine, fine. Let's say you're talking about this Cosmonova. Fine, give me the platform that does this, and we will talk because I don't see anything like this. Right? Is there? Give me something like this. I mean, there's actually like this, like that make prints. They do this kind of stuff already. They're making prints. The reason why I point to this as what an NFT is, is because naming a star is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's a, do you understand why yeah, it's stupid? It's N naming a star is stupid for a few reasons. 
It's romantic at best, but if you said as investment advice, I'm selling the naming rights to stars, I would say you're an idiot. <laughs> the first reason why it's stupid is because just because you named a star doesn't mean you can profit off of someone looking at it or taking a picture of it or harnessing the energy of it. You own nothing. And uh -huh. the same with an NFT. You don't own the JPEG. You don't own the video. You have zero copyright law. No government is going to respect an address in some 16-year-old kid's blockchain mm -hmm. as proof that you, in fact, own something. And what's worse is that you could lose it. You could lose the keys. You could lose your MetaMask yeah. account. Yeah. You'll yeah. never get it back. It, it is worth nothing, and you get nothing. The next thing is, notice that there are multiple people that offer registries for these star naming. Do you know that all of them have their own registry and they don't even match with each other? Mm -hmm. And they all say in a very important asterisk, by the way, we have our own registry and we're not affiliated with NASA because NASA has a registry where they actually need to know what is what. Mm -hmm. And so all these different registries, uh, some of them collide. If you come here in Canada and you say this this star is called Jennifer Star because uh -huh. it's after my wife or my girlfriend, well, in China, they probably name that star something else. And in both cases, it doesn't matter. And it has very little value other than the sentimental value of it being romantic. Furthermore, the fact that they're centralized means they're better than everything on Ethereum and Tezos in every way. I can use my credit card. I can buy it instantly for it's $90, which is less than the cost of gas on Ethereum right now. I can get a plaque, yeah. something I can actually see tangible that adds to this. What you have is quite literally nothing. And what's worse is that this nothing can't even be shown to other people. Like in order to say I own an NFT, uh -huh. I have to convince some other idiot to get a MetaMask account and jump on these weird, obscure websites. By the way, that's where your JPEG is. It's not on the blockchain. It's on third-party websites where it's being stored. Right. So none of what has been said so far is true about NFTs. <laughs> NFTs are naming stars, which is fine, but this is not a trillion-dollar industry, and mm -hmm. neither is NFTs. The only would... difference is that this, it's very hard to commit massive fraud here. Is with, it? With naming stars. I think that's the biggest, like, that's such a funny fraud. I mean, it's not a fraud, it's just like you're selling the product that kind of like, yeah, we have our own registry, so we're legit, but it's... Tezos is their own registry, and they're not legit, and they don't even give you a plaque. And no one gives a shit about, uh, what's his name, Brightman. No one cares about that kid. <laughs> I didn't even know who behind Tezos. Um, I guess I'm lucky that I'm on the other side. I'm, I'm being an artist. I'm the one who provides the work. It's the other person who spends money on it, kind of like... Uh, it's more danger to them, in a way. So let's talk about that. Are you familiar with how fraud is being committed right now with the NFT marketplace? In what way? I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for fraud. Like, as you said already, someone can just copy paste my JPEG file and mint it and put my name on it and whatnot and then pretend it's me. Why, why even use your name? Just say that this is actually an original, you know, Steven, not an Anton. But the question becomes also like, then you don't even need like someone to sell to you. You just go to my website and copy paste and save it. Well, for, for starters, you're not selling anything, really. So if anyone wants those images, In, they can okay. just go to the website okay. right now. The, the, the question has become then... <sighs> I'll let you think for a second, Anton, because I want to say something before you My say My question anything. is like, I'm just surprised that there's collectors that buy this work for like, let's say, like there's like works that sell for 150 Ethereum. And I'm wondering, do those people that are stupid to buy it then? Haven't they checked that... 
what they buy in a way is like fraudulent. I would assume that people would check that system is fraudulent. Unfortunately, no? you've only they, is it, is it, you've only it, allowed me to speak about one fraud. You mm-hmm. haven't let me say about the, uh, another sorry, fraud yep, that's very ahead, serious. Yep. So one thing you never considered, Anton, but a lot of artists have considered, and many artists have come to me mm-hmm. talking about NFTs and saying they want to publish their own art. Yep. And I had one close friend of mine who I won't name because it's mm-hmm. illegal what he what he s- suggested to me. But he asked me, he said, Aviv, why can't I make a few NFTs of my work and then take some money that I have from a different address or move it to a different address and bid up my own work, essentially paying myself money. Right. Right. And then if I have five pieces of art and the first four, I upbid them to $50,000, which costs me nothing because I'm moving 50,000 from myself to myself. Then the fifth time when I publish a work, some kid is going to say this piece is probably going to be worth like $50,000. So that answers your question about why people are buying NFTs because of overwhelming fraud and speculation. <laughs> I mean, kudos to this guy who've done it and successfully sold someone. Almost everyone. That same thing happens already in our world all the time. It's extraordinarily hard to do that in the real art world compared to a 13-year-old kid can do this with about 15 minutes of time. Yeah, That's the difference. They will be all like art art what about tax write-off along like you know how many uh rich people buy art because it's a perfect tax write-off the point that i'm telling you is you asked why is there so much money and excitement and i'm telling you that there's artificially a... pumped up that's right no i get it no I, I'm, I'm assuming you're right i will assume also like i wouldn't be surprised it would be all short-lived but i hope on ruins of this there will be some sort of like a a system will arise because the system itself i'll it's great. The fact that you said it doesn't work as sucks, we just basically believe that it does. At this point, we kind of believe it because I believe it does. A system already exists. It might, might be clunky, but it's called copyright law and digital signatures already exist and blockchain is not necessary and it's very inefficient for these things. You can have a government or even a large art institution, an international art institution, right. which I'm sure exists, that say this piece of digital art so is why, why, from this okay. artist. Okay, why we don't make a... Like, I'm just wondering what prevents them to do this then? Why it, it, that wasn't a thing before? It is. Well, it's currently a thing. Uh, okay, is it? Yes, it is. That's the thing. NFTs, and this is very common in blockchain, they invent problems and misunderstand them mm-hmm. and then claim they have a perfect solution. Well, maybe maybe it will just popularize exactly that alternative that's actually legitimate, legitimate eventually. Copyright law is no, decades copy- old. I understand copyright law, but how do I... For example, I'm Anton, like, for example, I, I want to somehow make sure my digital artwork is um, authentic for anyone who buys it. Instagram. What, what do you mean? Oh, so when I put my work on Instagram, it's automatically become copyrighted? Well, for starters, yes. Uh, Instagram might have special rules for users. That That's absolutely right. Do and they? on top of that, uh, because Instagram is a legal entity, like when you sign up, you can get verified by a company that is actually legitimate and has lawyers and, and not just verified this Arthur Brightman check. guy. What's mean verified? I blue mean, check mark. As an example, yeah. A blue check mark on Twitter or a blue check mark on Instagram. Do you know how Instagram? hard to get the blue check mark? It's impossible to get it for like... Unless you have like thousands and millions of followers, like it's almost impossible to get it. Okay. Well, the, the, what it does is prevent fraudsters, right? Well, from what? From 
blockchain doesn't solve that. It just no, lets fraudsters no, 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 no. in. No, let's backtrack again. That's that's the thing. It's such a like uh, it's like escaping me. What's the difference? It escapes me, but I feel like there's a difference. There isn't. In fact, the Instagram team that verifies is the same as the Rarible team that verifies. It's okay, just Instagram fine. is better funded and legitimate. Okay. Me, Anton, I have a, I made a digital artwork. How do I guarantee that there's only three copies of my artwork on Instagram? What do the people, collector does? He's like, Anton, here's money. Now I own this artwork. I'm like, okay, just copy, go on my Instagram and just press right click and uh, pre- press save a copy. Why do you have to even give me money for that then? Are you familiar with like watermarks, for example? No. Well, I don't want to have a watermark, giant watermark across my work on the Instagram. I don't want to even bother doing this. Like, it's like, a, it, it feels like gymnastics to me. So you describe buying a volatile currency, spending 60 US dollars to move it, and this is gymnastics. It seems like gymnastics because the it's all become less legitimate that I have to put a watermark on some Instagram image, first of all. And second of all, how can I convince anyone to pay me money? Uh, you don't have to put watermark on it. I'm just saying that's an example if you don't want someone copy and pasting. But the next thing is you just ha- you just tell people if you want to use my artwork to make money in some context, for example, on your website or right. whatever it is, you can pay me money and I will license it to you. Licensing agreements are already a long, well-understood legal thing and they're protected by the government. The problem with these NFTs is they're completely unprotected by anyone. You own literally nothing. Very important for people to think about this. Mm -hmm. They own nothing. And I'm saying you even own less than the JPEG because the JPEG isn't even related to the blockchain. I understand that part, but I hopefully it's not what it really is about. I feel like hopefully it will be what I imagine to be. It's again, just a provider of authenticity. And because, because it's done by machine, this is what the assumption, and that's what probably everyone assumes, at least people who are like dumb like me, who thinks it's working. We all think that it's burned into a blockchain, it cannot be hacked, and I can instantly send it across the world, and now this person is an owner of, uh, of the rights, essentially. When you say rights, you are quite literally saying nothing, because a right... Well, that's, that, that's not the problem. I guess we'll find out very soon when it's all going to fall apart and we'll be all uncovered. I just feel like if if you're right, as you say, it it's 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 broken. It doesn't work. It's stupid. Maybe because it's so early in this in the system. Maybe at some no, point it will be. It's not early. It's 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 five years old, six years old now. Then I don't know why everyone. I think everyone should just stop doing it. I guess. <laughs> no. I feel like because everyone is buying, this is still true. I have no choice, but still think it's working. I'm not going to walk away from these conversations thinking, okay, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm just going to go to some uh, like website and try to like, like what, what, what other system, just like provide, make a copyright. Because photographers have this problem all the time. The images get stolen all the time. And it's hard to reinforce because you're going to have to sue people for breaking those laws. And is it easier with blockchain? It's, I feel like because... It's impossible with blockchain. Okay, okay. no, I agree with you here. I think what it does, at least, it's like we all pretend that the king doesn't wear, like, is not naked, right? We all kind of pretend, and that's why it works, even though it's broken. But because because no one cares that they're using 
what what what's going on here is exactly direct relationship between me and a collector, and the fact that we agree on certain value, that being um, transparent first of all, on the website that we do in this transaction through, because before our world didn't have that transparency. It was very opaque. No one knew really how much things being bought for. Price has been even worse. Like what you were saying, people right now it seems like more transparent. Yeah, sure, people will do it, but at least it's still someone like, okay, well, this artwork being sold for this much, I'm ready to pay more than that. One sec, I asked you earlier if you knew who bought your art, and you said you had no idea. No, 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 no those specific, those guys, I didn't. But uh, rec most recently, I know who exactly buys it, especially, like, I, I can go into the address and find out who that person is. And you know their name, you know, like, whether or not I they're mean, I bought. Can, I can track them into, well, they, some of them provide their names. Right. Some of them not. And are fraudsters going to voluntarily but provide? At the same time, I don't care who I sold my work to. Because if they pay price, it kind of doesn't matter. I would love to know who you are, but if you will, if you want to stay private, then go ahead. The thing is, for me as an artist, it's just only important one part, is that I directly managed to sell someone my artwork digitally. Unfortunately, all you've done is you've gotten a donation, essentially, from someone who allegedly likes your work. Yeah, They're likely yeah. buying it yeah. because they want to speculate. In right. your case, because you haven't sold right. a ton of work and because it hasn't flipped and you haven't engaged in fraud, you haven't made a ton of money. But mm -hmm. you are a legitimate artist and mm -hmm. your life demonstrates that entirely. And you saw an opportunity where artists, it appears, were getting right. paid out. Right. And so you showed up. Everything you've done so far is completely leg legitimate. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like you're breaking my heart right now. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, like, it's like you're breaking... Uh... So everything you've done so far is legitimate. And as a result, when you're getting paid and you have this mental image of the future, and you're right, it mm -hmm. would be great if copyright law was digitized and quick and fast, and all of law and finance is slow and there's paperwork and there's regulations and it's complicated. But the thing is, like, art world is not regulated, by the way. If you're talking about specifically art world, reinforcing all these copyright laws, like, it's total bullshit. But let's just pretend if it's working, if, it's, if the system works it does the job much better than anything that conventionally been before. And what it does, it just legitimizes digital art. Because before, it was very like wishy-washy, kind of separate genre. And unless you are someone really famous and being represented by our um, galleries, you can forget about it, right? You can, you can forget about success in a way. Like, it was very hard to break in. Right now, I'm finally kind of like getting through this. It's for the first time in my life, I made the artwork and I've been paid for it with least amount of steps. Before I would have to like run a gallery show. I have to showcase it on a TV screen. And people would come and say, well, I don't know. It's like a JPEG file. So I could make, like, how do I know you're not going to make thousands of this? And I have nothing to say against that. And I wanted to make uh, some sort of like agreement, a contract to the people. I'm not saying your problem isn't legitimate. What right. I'm saying is and that it, you're saying bad things over here yeah. and now you're ascribing a solution right. where it doesn't exist over least, there. At least right now we have a visibility that this problem has been solved. Not at all. But it seems like everyone around this place right now, all these like, people who are buying and selling, collectors and artists, they're kind of assuming it works. Anton. You know what I mean? Yes. At least it's like a proxy. It's like a, at least gives Anton. visibility of that. Here, here's what's happening. You're, you're here for legitimate reasons, mm -hmm. but 
the, the solution that you hope for and that a lot of good people hope for didn't happen, but it was told to you that it did. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that because it's, it's a positive like thing yeah, no, I get it. and because it's hard for you to decipher, right. um, you buy into it. The problem yeah. is everything you have said about what NFTs do, it's not true and it can't be done. And it is done mm-hmm. with all, all sorts of things. Copyright law is not a, a shamble. Mm-hmm. Everyone is making money in movies, with music, with all these digital things, including photography, including a lot of things. Okay. Again, um, when you say about movies and music, it's always run through um, all these like agents and uh, so like uh, what do you call it? Like um, middlemen. Middlemen with uh, like uh, companies that enforce those copyright laws. They run it, like it's a it's like a whole system, right? Like for example, when you like for example on YouTube right now, right? When you play like a music uh, and then, like, DMCA, DMCA, whatever they, I, I don't know the names of the whole like of this. Yeah, it's a DMCA. Okay, it's a DMCA. So there's a whole like industry that kind of trying to preserve that that copyright law. They spend a lot of money on it, and it's only game for big famous people. A small artist like me in a digital space, absolutely, I will never be able to sue anyone because it's going to take me so much money to to sue. If you were on Instagram and someone was copying your work on Instagram, you could just immediately go to them and say, this guy is oh, copying yeah, no, my I work. I can do this, but um, let's say he already made money. I, I will have a hard time to claim this money. YouTube literally reroutes money for people that YouTube. copy videos no, and no, moves YouTube, it to other exactly. people's... Videos, YouTube, music, not artists that make digital pictures. I don't believe that, but furthermore, blockchain for certain does not solve it. No, I understand, but at least it gives visibility that Hey, I'm an artist. It came from me. You collected it. You flipped it. Whatever. Even that's not true. (laughs) At least it's true for people who actually collect. So far, it's true to them. Maybe they don't know. Oh, my God. If I knew that it's actually not legitimate, they would stop completely doing it. Who do you think is buying these pieces? Uh, I don't know them personally. No. What kind of person do you think is saying, yeah, you know, a good idea right now is to put $50,000 into a bunch of NFTs? I have no idea. See, earlier you said that it was people that had made a lot of money on Ether and now they wanted to move it into other things. But Mm -hmm. although that might be true a little bit, for most of it, what's true is that people are flipping these things because the bubble's growing and the people are hearing things like, here's a way that you and I can make the news tomorrow. Right. We go and borrow a million dollars of Ether and we we NFT this can of apple cider. And now we're the first million dollar can NFT of apple cider. And that's news because it's like, how could it possibly be? I do wonder. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I hope that's what it is because sometimes I get so jealous of those big artists that um, get their work being bought for like 20, like a hundred Ethereum. I'm like, that's insane. It doesn't make sense. It's like, why this, like, why would anyone be willing to spend so much money? You're not even dead yet. And you're already making more money than uh a conventional artist. I I kind of sometimes want to believe. I feel like it's like some sort of like a uh, like a laundry money scheme when people just laundering money, and then art is kind of like a intermediary to legitimizing this kind of process. Not at all. In this case, that's not even a useful way to launder your money. No, no. I'm just wondering what I I I just only hope good for the artists because they get paid and they get royalties out of this. Yes, let's take your work. You yeah. sold it for $100 because you felt that was a fair price. And I would agree. That makes sense. For yeah. you, $100 makes sense. Then mm-hmm. someone tried to resell it for 100 ETH. Yeah. Now, I want you to imagine if a 
you know, 25 year old or a 35 year old or, a, or, or someone takes their, their, their life savings and dumps it on this particular. Well, what, the, what are the chances going to happen? It's zero. The, the entire space is only no, this. I understand, but it's not just like a, some kid. It's a person who is either running a scheme, as you said, or if the system is legitimate, he, they're actually thinking, okay, I'm going to buy for this much and then I'm going to flip it later and I'm fine with this. Because at every point of the way so far, I will be getting royalties. Like, what kind of sucker do you have to be to buy at 100 Ethereum, let's say? And then, um, well, basically you're the one, the last one who is being able to buy it and then you can sell it for more than that. And that's what happens when the music stops. Yeah, exactly. Because you're the last one. Exactly. And then I feel like the one who has money to buy something at 100 Ethereum, I don't think they're going to suffer much because like, you must have been already been rich in the first place that you were willing to spend 100 Ethereum unless this person had an Ethereum when it was like a couple dollars worth only. And now this 100 Ethereum is always like 100 bucks for him for that person when they bought it. All of the people that are around me, young adults who are working in mm-hmm. tech, making good money, uh-huh. they're all losing exorbitant amounts of money in NFTs. They well, bought... should be very... Well, first of all, they should probably at least educate themselves on a good art. Wouldn't I would think that way because I don't think why would you buy some artwork for extra extremely big amount of money because they they're gonna them. flip it's on them then you see what I mean I'm pricing my artwork that makes it reasonable enough that you can afford it sure maybe for example let's say in a couple of years it will be two like will go five times because I become more famous right. and you deserve to actually sell it now because someone willing to buy for high price why wouldn't you sell it. I'm happy if some collector makes money. Flipping on that side when it's like instant and there's like all this random like schemes. What kind of idiot you have to be to buy a work at a huge pumped up price? Like I don't think any works right now should be, be selling for 100 Ethereum to be honest. You are the artist in the space. Right. And you just gave me all of the reasons why it's worth it. What do you mean? I mean, you said it's legitimate. It's, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's authentic. Like you explained all your beliefs about NFTs yeah. and here are young people with the same beliefs. No, but They're I, just I in a different part of the supply chain. That's, or, that's the okay. only difference. No, yeah, I understand that part. I'm saying like you shouldn't be buying artwork that's been sold for one Ethereum and suddenly it's being sold for 20. This space is so young. I don't think any artwork should be selling for this much money. I mean, at least there shouldn't be a sudden spike in difference how much uh, work being bought for and how much it's selling for because at this point it becomes like a pump and dump scheme and people who willing to buy into this well it's on you now you should be more responsible about your money and because if the if you for example let's say anton has like suddenly become famous let's say and sure there's like certain room still to run up in a, such a short period of time let's say but for example suddenly Someone put for two Ethereum my work and then they sell it for 100 Ethereum and you buy it. Well, you're an idiot. I, I don't think you should be doing that. That's kind of like irresponsible. And also, I'm pretty sure when you buy for 100 Ethereum, you probably think I'm going to sell for 120 or 200 now. Well, don't blame, you can only blame yourself that you're not able to do this so anymore because you become kind of a scammer too what? because you're also trying to flip it. My belief that people should collect on... Uh, like unreasonable amount, right? For example, you like my work. I know this work, even though it's digital, it's worth so much money. 
Well, no, no. I mean, right look, look. The, the issue I think I'm is saying that, stupid the things. issue is that you are not a scammer. And so what's funny is that you're saying, I want to sell work for $100 and I want to be able to feed myself because I actually do good work. And you do. Yeah. The problem is you don't realize you're selling nothing to people that are only buying it right. because of a space that thinks there's a gold mine right. here. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. So inadvertently, you're kind of profiting from a scam, now, but not in any way where you know or are doing it in right. any purposeful way. And the honest to God truth is that in your case, it's fair. Like mm. you, like I think you should donate hundred dollars to Anton if you love his work. And a signature mm-hmm. on a blockchain is probably enough because right. it's like Patreon. Patreon mm-hmm. is the solution you're looking for. There right. are tons of them. GoFundMe, like all of these funding accounts where people say, "Look, I love your work." Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you $10 a month and I would like you to send me a signed copy of a book or a signed autograph or a hat or anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the solution. But this total technological mishmash of of, Uh of fucking things does none of it. And it's crazy that selling the naming of stars is a funny, stupid, romantic gift on the side. And NFTs are now a multi-billion dollar industry out of nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, basically, after this conversation, the only right thing for me to do right now is like walk away from this space and stop doing this. <laughs> At this point, I should be convinced that you're right. And you and, and if you're right, that means I have to stop doing this. And if I don't stop doing this right now, I'm I'm simply become a, a part of a scam. I have no argument against you saying that it's all illegitimate because I don't know if it's true. I wouldn't be surprised you're right because I have no way of checking that. I'm just simply believing that it's working because everyone seems to be pretending like it like acting like it does work when everyone is winning right. and and we don't really yeah. know what's going on right that's how ponzi schemes and various frauds get away if you're right i feel like time soon will show that you're right unless something happens like either blockchain be- will become truly like it become actually it will start working properly, like those smart contracts. They will actually start working properly, because my my hope that, <clears throat> let's say you're right, it doesn't work right now, but my hope that um, this will be fixed in a way that sort of now it will work, like in fact that what's happening is happening. What I mean is my proof authenticity and that it's coming from me somehow is being preserved into this token that I'm selling as a piece of art because JPEG file attached to it, right? To me, this is just enough. Beanie babies, we all agreed, were worth a lot of money. They still do, by the way. Apparently, they're not. They're not anymore? No, no. But in 1999, a single Beanie baby could go for hundreds of dollars, even though the retail cost was five. And what's wrong with that? No, there's a lot of people who do like... A version of Beanie Babies, like they do in this kind of like, like there's a lot of now uh, tokens, like artists making a sort of like a portraits of some sort of like a like a like a miniature figure of something, but it's like a JPEG file of representation of that. Like sometimes it rotates, sometimes it's slightly like digi- like a 3D appears as 3D, and those ones for some reason they're like the most popular. It's like a uh, like what crypt- crypto punks. Right. Right. Is that right to say CryptoPunks? I believe. Or they yeah. Call them? Yeah. Whatever is on Ether, Binance, or yeah. Whatever. Like I have no, I don't understand that why that sells for a lot of money. Some of them sell like for like fifty, hundred Ethereum. I have no idea why. Oh, I can tell you why. It's like it become like a, a bragging rights in a way that the fact that you have one. 
the reason why I don't understand it because as an artist I, I find it like not so interesting right I mean it's strange right right that to we're here for art and yeah. these crypto punks are yeah. selling for much more than people that are making and, and real by things way, I don't mean to to uh, shit on crypto punks I'm just mean like I don't understand it because I don't think they're that valuable well, at least they shouldn't be I can tell you why that's happening right because those crypto punks they cut out the middleman you're the middleman it's much easier to just make a bunch of crypto punks and make that the big thing everyone's buying rather than have real artists spend their real time and the artists are getting paid. Mm-hmm. Binance is the number one example of cutting out the middleman. Everything Binance is in one is in one sphere. Uh-huh. They have the Binance punks so, on the uh, Binance so, chain, so, on the Binance exchange. I want to understand those crypto punks. Is it like some, some artist draws them all or it doesn't matter? It's I'm pixelated. Just... Who cares? Oh, so anyone can make one. Where are they coming from? Someone makes them? Binance does. Oh, Binance just makes it like. Well, th- those are the those are the ones that are really hot right now. Are the are the ones that because... made by Binance. Oh, so so because sometimes people make it with a hat on, some of them like different hairstyle. So right. how how they appear out of where? Who is making this happen? Yeah, I think a lot of them have to do with 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 like again Binance or exchanges. Again, it's not artists because artists. Oh, it's not just one. Some artists makes them. It's no, just, it's just no. sort of random generated somehow because they're all in the same style and like it 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 requires at least someone to curate them and make them a certain way right the original contract that Uh created the entire sphere of punks Uh is the the number one is 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 the punks on binance and it was created by binance like the the, all the money all the excitement it's all binance so like when i see crypto punks and people have them i'm like i'm confused where they're coming from because sometimes people sell them on Ethereum on a foundation or Rarible. I'm like, okay, so they must be coming from some artist. And I couldn't understand who is behind them every time. It's like, well, it with CryptoKitties, like- it's Axiom Zen. It's one company right. that sold them and made a lot of money. Right. And with these CryptoPunks, it could be another company. But the number one success story, again, is Binance. It's like a marketing scheme in a way. Like, oh, people buy into that. They like CryptoPunk. It's making us money. So who cares? No, but I... I guess, I guess, I, I, again, I come from place of integrity. I see. Well, you've and come I to the wrong place, good and sir. I, and, yeah, no, exactly. Maybe I'm that of naive of a person still thinking that, because sometimes I see some artists suddenly become very popular and famous, and I don't understand what the fuck this work sucks. I mean, it could be something stupid. Like, I'm, I'm, I, as an artist, I'm scared to talk trash on other artists because I don't want to do this because it's like frowned upon in a way. But it's hard. Not, I'm not going to pretend that it's bad. If you threw a stone in the air, it's almost impossible for you not to hit a scammer in the head. So don't worry about making fun <laughs> I, of other I, I, artists. It's like, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to, like, if they make money, great. I just don't, some, some works is just like, come on, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, well, anyways, it's been a wonderful chat. And obviously you and I can go back. Uh, back and forth a million times I think because like uh, and just for the audience to know we, we, we're, we're very good friends we've known each other for a long time and I will say this I have some of your paintings uh, they're very valuable to me more more valuable than when you sold them to me I would say personally I don't plan to sell them ever I enjoy them and, and you're going uh, forever I am going to be handed? I'm going to be hanging them on my walls forever and enjoying their presence but uh, I'm not so sure I'll be buying any NFTs Imagine one day we're going to be talking about NFTs, NFTs and make fun of it. Like, we can't believe we, uh, we were into this scam. Man, I'm just glad <laughs> that you made your $400. You know, you got paid a little bit. I mean, what you say, maybe it's true right now. And hopefully someday it will be reversed and turned into legitimate. 
in in theory, this is an amazing opportunity in a way that now digital artists can can do things directly. The reality is is that the space in its illegitimacy has pulled good legitimate people like yourself mm-hmm. unknowingly, and it's quite clear unknowingly. Yeah. Um, to participate in 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 a kind of weird system, and I think that in a sense you got scammed, right? In a sense, I know that you come out with some money and you think, okay, how is it that I got scammed? But imagine all those NFT artists that spend their lives building on this NFT platform. It really is not go- going to pr- provide a lot in the long term because it's not the real solution you're looking for. Well, hopefully, out of this system will come out like a out of like a, like a phoenix out of ashes, a real system because. What this whole thing showcased, there's a real need for something like this to fill this void that we, that we didn't even know exists. And hopefully out of this will come out a proper, legitimate and regulated system. And on that wonderful sentiment, we're going to leave it off. Um, you can uh, check out Anton Lukashov's work. I highly recommend to visit his website. It's antonlukashov.com. You can uh, go online and buy his prints. And of course, you can Google and go and take a look at the NFTs. This show will never sponsor anyone or take any donations from anyone. So I'll let you decide if you want to buy some of Anton Lukashov's NFTs. But I can say that I do enjoy my physical paintings that I have. Highly recommend. And with that, I will say uh, thank you uh, to the listeners. And we will talk again soon. Can you just maybe also, I'm not going to tell you where you can buy my work, but at least provide my Instagram. Like, so of can, course, yeah. Follow. What's your Instagram? Uh, it's Anton Lukashov. It's A N T O N L U K A S H O V. Anton, thank you very much. I know this can be a bit tricky and, and difficult to, to have these long discussions, but uh, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me.